It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hi, my guest today on the show is Doyle Slayton, CEO and founder of Zumbi. Great name, xoombi.com. And we'll get into what Zumbi does and what Doyle does in just a bit. But Doyle, welcome to the show. Andy, thanks so much for having me. Always an honor to work with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, you know, rather than have me read off some standard bio that your PR person sent over, uh, take a minute and introduce yourself. You know, what what do you do? What does Zumbi does? Uh, we'll get into that maybe a little bit more later, but um, yeah, give us some background about Doyle Slayton. Sure. Well, I have a, a extensive background in sales, and um, I've been in selling uh, on the uh, technology side of business, selling software, mainly human capital management software, uh, and then also uh, a lot of experience selling B two B. Uh, training and talent development uh, programs, specifically for folks like University of Phoenix and Kaplan, and then uh, spent some time with Achieve Global uh, mm-hmm. before they were acquired in the uh, merger that now has them under MHI. So right. uh, that's the experience I, I have there. I also used to run a blog years ago called Sales Blogcast. I remember, and that's where I kind of got my my toes in the water with social media marketing and realize that if you put good good content uh, on the web, that you were going to quickly be able to get a lot of exposure. So we built a big following doing that starting around 2007, when really so many of us kind of met online, if you will. Mm-hmm. So let's take back to the beginning. How did you, where did you get your start in sales and why did you get into sales? Well, I first started, uh, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Huh. Back in, uh, I, I graduated from Baylor mm-hmm. uh, as an undergrad, had a great mentor there named Frank Fallon, who was the voice of the Baylor Bears for 42 years, and uh, he was the voice of the Final Four. He was the PA announcer for about 20 years, just a legend there in the, uh, in the central Texas area. When I graduated, I decided, uh, still needed to, to you know increase my credentials, so I decided to go to grad school at Syracuse mm-hmm. uh, University up in New York, and uh, those those folks out there that are broadcasting fans know that. Oh yeah, turn out a lot of broadcasters. Syracuse, yeah, I mean they're turning out Mike Tirico, uh, Dick Stockton, Bob Costas, Marv Albert, all those guys graduated from there. So I thought I'd be set when I when I came out of there with my master's in broadcast journalism. Certainly wasn't an MBA, but I thought. Uh, that that experience would would have me set for life, and as it turned out, um, you know, it's all about having the right connections and so forth. So uh, I went back to uh, the Central Texas area and started doing broadcasts uh, there for high school and in some of the colleges in in the Waco area, including Baylor women's sports, etc. But what I realized was that I was going to have to sell my own advertising in order to get the games on the air. So Ugh. that's where I cut my teeth in sales. I didn't know any better. Uh, so I just put a list together of local area businesses 
And uh, back then, there was no CRM uh, for, for me to use. So uh, there probably was. We just didn't, uh, were never introduced to it. So I put a, a legal pad with a bunch of names and numbers on it. And it came naturally to me. I just started cold calling um, and going through the list uh, four, five, six, seven times until I was able to secure at least 10 to 15 advertisers. And uh, I enjoyed it. So I thought, huh, this is pretty neat. I, 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 I like picking up the phone, calling people, and selling them on supporting these kids uh, that we're putting the games on for. So that's now, where I got my start in sales. Now, were you getting 15 advertisers per broadcast? Well, it was a package deal, so okay. I tried to make, keep it pretty simple and said, "Listen, if you can, you know, pay a hundred or you know whatever it was, hundred and fifty bucks a game, we'll run your ads um, along with live, you know, commer- uh, commercials between um, uh, timeouts and then live spots that I'd read out uh, uh, during the broadcast. So, if someone was going to sign on, they'd sign for all ten or, or so games." Uh, for football season, then they'd get the playoffs for free or something along huh. those lines. So that's uh, that's how we packaged it. Yeah, very clever. So yeah, it seems like a lot of people sort of maybe get into sales and have no expectations as to whether they'd be good at it or even really what it entails. And and wow, suddenly they find, hey, this is sort of a sweet spot for me. Well, and it really did start to you know hit me and realize that that you know everyone was different and they were going to require you know a, a different coaching and and you know and I'll give you an example I had one one guy that joined us joined our team and of course everybody had to sell to get on and he wasn't getting anything he wasn't getting any any new advertisers he wasn't getting any new affiliate stations and so we sat down and you know I didn't know what I was doing in terms of trying to manage him I was I was a young kid myself so <clears throat> I said, "Well, walk me through what it is that you're that you're doing when you ca- are calling on these these prospects." And he showed me his sheet of paper, and he'd only gone through it one time. And I said, "Well, I mean, you've got to call him six, seven, eight, nine times." And he looked at me funny, and I looked at him funny, and that's when I realized this is a whole a whole nother ball game, right? And for some people, it comes naturally, and and they think that way because they have a propensity to hunt. Uh, for new business, but the majority of people, it's harder to find a hunter, if you will. Yeah, well, I think also part of, of being a hunter and part of the persistence comes from the belief that what you're selling has value to people, that you know, mm-hmm. can, can make a difference to their business. Exactly. I mean, it's, I find a few people that are persistent just for persistence sake, but uh, <laughs> so... You know, you went from there, you had software sales, tech sales, uh, training sales. So during the course of your career, how have you seen selling change? Well, the biggest thing that, that I recognized, especially in, in software sales, was, was two things. Uh, one, if you're working for a, a startup or an expansion type company and are working in a new market where no one's ever heard of you, it's a lot more challenging than working for the brand name company when you're, especially when you're cold calling. The the second thing is is, you know, it, it's a sign of weakness oftentimes to talk about your leads and needing more leads and, and all of this, right? But but the leadership uh, needs to recognize that lists do matter, uh, and the type of the, the time that we spend on the types of lists that we call on makes a big difference 
in terms of if a sales rep has to make 100 to 200 dials just to get one appointment, or if they're calling on a more refined uh, list of prospects where maybe you have to make 25 to 40 dials to, to get an appointment. So you're saying one of the things that's changed is that the technology has improved and the, let's say, the quantity and quality of information that's available uh, that you can access through technology has improved to the point where you can be much more targeted in your, your outbound calling. Exactly. And that's where we've, I think, we've got to make those adjustments as sales leaders to, to know that, listen, it's going to make a big difference if we take advantage of the technology that's out there. Yeah, it seems like at some point, though, ultimately you run up against the limitation of you know, how many physical dials can somebody make, right? I mean, even using an auto dialer, um, there's still a capacity. So targeting seems like it becomes ever more important to increase the conversion rate on the calls that you're making. Right. Targeting the right prospects, the most likely to buy, the ones that are engaged, uh, and... and so if you're a, those are all going to go ahead. Well, I was going to say, if you're a small business owner or you know run sales at a small mid-sized business, what are the steps you go through to really say, okay, I need to develop a targeted list, right? Somebody's listening to this. I said, all right, great insight. Need a targeted list to improve the productivity of my you know initial outbound calling efforts. Where do they find that? What are the first steps they take? Well, I think one of the keys that that we've really worked on uh, developing is identifying which or what's the common thread between your current clients, right? And then deciding from, from that, those commonalities, size of the company, uh, decision makers that are uh, accessible within those organizations, folks that are working with your competitors where you know what their weaknesses are, your competitor's weakness, that you can target those at the, at the most basic level. And then the other thing is, especially if you're the smaller name company, you, I mean, I was selling payroll and HR software. So I was going up against the ADPs and the paychecks of the world. So when I say understanding what your competitors' weaknesses are, being able to shift your messaging accordingly so that you're hitting those hot spots and doing it in a classy way so that you're not trashing your competitor because that can, that can turn people off as well. And then the other key factor to that is one of the things that would happen often is that you know, we would do all the cold calling and open the door to get in. And no matter how much someone liked the software, at the end of the day, if if you don't get in front of the right decision makers, the CFO might say, well, listen, uh, we uh, I understand you like this software, you know, Mr. A, Mr. and Mrs. HR person, but, you know, nobody gets fired for hiring ADP, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to become a well-known brand uh, in the market. And so, so that's where also you've got to get in the game with thought leadership and social media uh, marketing of your content. So, so those two things in combination, effective targeting and list building, along with brand building through uh, content and social media, I think are the place to start. Right. So if you can identify your dream clients, there's a place to find online or through one of a number of companies like Zoom Info or somebody, there's a way to identify a list of people that you can purchase that mm-hmm. meet, meet that mm-hmm. criteria, right? Right. You know, back in the day, we used to pull lists from Reference USA and go by zip code, right? But the thing is, is nowadays, I think you've got to use more, uh, more, more detailed information to be able to narrow the list down further. And one of the things that I like to recommend to folks is, 
don't don't just throw a thousand contacts into a sales rep's database and expect them to just work it, especially a new rep. Okay, so let's start them off with maybe a hundred accounts, depending, of course, on you know what what the volume of sales has to be for for a prospect. I'm talking about folks that need to close maybe you know 40, 40 deals a year or so. Right, mm-hmm. so let's give them a hundred target accounts. Okay. And let's coach them and teach them how to work those hundred uh, leads through the sales process, through the attempt to you know multiple attempts to contact for no, a no contact strategy, and then also making sure we're keeping up with our follow up schedule. Mm-hmm. Once all of those leads are in motion, all one hundred, right? And when I say in motion, that means that we've got all of our contacts with a follow up task uh, scheduled in the CRM. Then at that point, when I look at my daily schedule, if I have maybe 10 scheduled actions and everybody else is scheduled for tomorrow and beyond, then I know, listen, this rep is ready for another 100 uh, prospects. And so I'll, I'll give them another 100 prospects and see how they're managing, managing their daily to-do list of scheduled tasks on their prospects. And you know, some people might be able to manage 100, 100 targets. Some may be able to manage you know, 300. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's that ramp up and measuring of success with the types of leads and target accounts that each, each rep is, uh, is working through. Good point. And then back to your previous point, or the, the second half of the point you made in addition to the targeting is thought leadership. And this is, you know, given the tools that exist today for any business, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, blogging, Twitter, so on is that it's really an imperative for everybody to be an expert in their field and to be perceived as an expert in their field. So mm-hmm. run through some basic strategies you recommend for an entrepreneur or a salesperson to start implementing a thought leadership strategy. Sure. Well, the thing that I tell our, our prospective clients and our new clients is, listen, what we've got to be able to do is position you in the market uh, for these three things, people are going to hire you or buy from you because they like the way that you think, they agree with your methodology, and they believe that aligning with you is going to make them better. Right? Yeah. So, so, so how re- do you re- repeat those three just so people put get yourself them. in a position? Go ahead. Yeah. Sure. So, so, so they like the way that you think. Right? right. They agree with your methodology, and they believe that aligning with you is going to make them better. So. You think to yourself, well, how am I going to put myself in that position for people to look at me and think of me that way? And that's the thought leadership piece, right? You've got to put yourself out there with high quality content on your website and then gain as much exposure as possible through social. And it's a powerful thing because you don't have to be spending you know, uh, a ton of money on pay-per-click and those types of things, when people start to see what your what your thinking is around their industry and they like it, they st- they swarm to your site. And so uh, that's, that's the next piece of the puzzle is being able to figure out how you're going to position yourself out there with that type of content. And so there, there are three really uh, levels where content can be used effectively. And this is another thing that we really like to coach people uh, to be able to do when it comes to their content. And the first one that's the most common that everybody, um, you know, is, uh, talks about is the lead generation and conversion, 
getting out there on social, getting people to come to your site, and then you know leading them to a landing page after they've read the content and converting to a lead. But there's two other areas that I think are critical to, to continue that sales process uh, through the life cycle of the lead. So the second one is sales prospecting and follow-up, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got leads coming in and converting, but now sales can use that content that we've been producing in the form of either other blog posts or value-added uh, eBooks or tip sheets that are in context with what they're selling to a certain pr uh, uh, prospective client. So during the prospecting uh, process and the follow-up, salespeople need to get away from this concept of, hey, Andy, you know, we spoke three months ago and you told me that you had a lot of stuff going on right now, but if I called you in three months, that you'd be ready to go, right? So I'm calling you now three mm -hmm. months later right. to see where you are and what's the response. <laughs> Doyle, I'm swamped. I've got 10 other things on my plate. Why don't you call me in six months? And so I'm sitting there thinking as a salesperson, well, you told me three months, three months ago, and now you're telling me six months. And so you, I'm just stuck in, 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 in the land of the stalled, right? Right. So what I want to do as a salesperson is continuously be able to either subscribe my prospects to the blog, uh, send them uh, these definitive guides uh, that, that relate to what we're trying to, to position ourselves as an expert in the field to show them, listen, I, I've got to work with these guys because they know my industry. And so putting that content in front of folks on a regular basis in the right context makes all the difference with sales, prospecting, and follow-up. So, so far, I've talked about two things, lead generation and conversion, sales, prospecting, and follow-up. But there's a third, right? And this really applies in an area where we try to focus a great deal is what's the biggest problem in SaaS if we're working with software companies? The biggest so problem case, with software... SaaS is soft, soft... I just want to define the term SaaS as S-A-A-S, yes. software as a service. So. Software as a service companies, exactly. So the Salesforce of the world, let's use them as an example. What's the biggest problem with Salesforce is that people don't use it, right? So the third piece of that... That puzzle, when it comes to leveraging content, is customer loyalty and engagement. And HubSpot, I think, does it better than anyone else. I mean, they've got uh, an insider's blog and offers that help users learn their system and how to leverage it for good, right? So the, that, that third component is key to software companies who... Once the sale is made, it's not over. You've got to be able to get users to buy in to how the, how the product is used and to create content that not only teaches people how to use it more effectively, but to create content that maybe managers can use during meetings uh, to, to bring to the table and make their meetings more effective and to coach on the methodology and tactics that they're trying to get people to execute on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of power to that. Okay. Right? So to me, there's, those are the three different areas where we like to coach our clients to develop their content in such a way to position them as that industry expert out in the market. All right. Great. Well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back again, we'll be with Doyle Slayton, founder and creator of Zumbi. This is Andy Paul on Amp Up Your Sales. Be right back.
Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. My guest today, Doyle Slayton. Doyle, you were just talking about uh, sort of three things that companies need to do to position themselves in the marketplace as sort of a thought leader, as a trusted advisor, a trusted expert. Um, I want to step back just a second, sort of go back to sort of sales management, a couple of sales management challenges for you is, okay. um, yeah, you run your own business. You're also a salesperson. You're out selling your services. You, when you think about your own sales efforts, you know, is there anything that keeps you up at night? Things you wish you were doing better that you're not? Well, when it comes to us personally, you know, we've been in business uh, as this service offering for just over a year. So I've, I've got a, plenty of experience in sales, plenty of experience in sales management, in, in leadership positions, but I never really had the, uh, the guts to make that entrepreneurial leap because I've got three little girls and a wonderful sure. wife and we've tried to keep it. It's, it was best for our family to try to keep it as a stay-at-home uh, mom type of scenario. So what I started to realize was, listen, you know, as much as I'm selling for folks that I'm working for, what would happen if I could just bite the bullet and find a way to, you know, actually take the leap, start my own business? I know I can help people. And so we made that leap just over a year ago, sold my house to try to get some extra funds to be able to go for it. I mean, we went all in. All right? in. You didn't sell, it, so, didn't, didn't sell your bicycle, did you? I didn't sell my bicycle. Okay. We kept that. <laughs> But I'll tell you, that's one of the things I need to improve on. I need to get back on it. <laughs> so, but here's the key. What I have found is a, is a small business owner is making decisions to say, where are you going to spend your time so that you're driving revenue, right? And so to, to me, we've got to spend more time selling because you can, you can focus on, on too many other things. Like, am I going to make this color red, this button red or blue? That doesn't drive revenue, right? I've got to get in front of as many prospects as possible. So it's just playing with the numbers, setting goals that are going to allow me to hire the right folks in the right positions at the right time. And one of those moves here a year into it has got to be to get a salesperson on, full-time salesperson on within the next couple of months. Mm -hmm. So that's the first area where we've got to get better is to get in front of more folks uh, full time. So another question for you then. So let me give you a hypothetical. And let's assume that you're being brought in as a manager to a company that's got a sales team that's you know under for, underperforming, quite frankly. And you're feeling sort of under the gun to make an impact. So you, let's say in the first week you want to say, okay, what are the two things I can do right now that are going to have the most impact in terms of turning around this, this sort of stagnant sales performance, what would those two things be? Well, I think the first thing would be uh, that I've got to uh, come in and start making some connections 
with my people, getting to know them, trying to figure out what they care about. And I, and I call it getting into each other's head, right? Having them understand, uh, me understand the way that they think and them understand the way that I think and kind of figure out where they believe their strengths are and where they might need some help. And so really talking to them and getting to know them is really number one. Number two is, is rolling up my sleeves and getting in the game. I want to start listening to some of their calls. I want to uh, be a part of their sales meetings. And I want to start identify bottlenecks. And there's certain key metrics that I want to be able to, to start measuring. Things like, what's my lead to contact percentage? Meaning, how many how many people in the database have I actually had a voice-to-voice contact with? And then from there, I want to be able to see what my contact to appointment held percentage is. Actual okay? appointments Not appointment scheduled. Right. right. I don't care about appointments scheduled as much as actual occurred. And then from there, I want to know appointment held uh, to uh, uh, close. Okay. And, you know, a lot of people are measuring these other things like appointment set and proposals submitted. And you know, those are things you could say you've done all day, but until they turn into the actual end result, that uh, uh, those outcomes are more important, right? So if I can identify those key areas from the front of the sales process to the back of the sales process, I, I can start to find ways to coach my team on messaging, a system or a process they can use to improve and to provide them with additional tools and resources like the content uh, support methodology that I described earlier in the call. So those are the two things that I would do to begin with. And kind of a little third thing that I would add that's very much related is eventually once I start to hone in on those measurements, what I like to create is a daily scoreboard. Mm-hmm. So this scoreboard is a very uh, public display of how we're doing as a team. And it's not to, you know, uh, shame anybody who's not performing well. It's, it's really to say, hey, let's figure out what's working and what's not. And there's no better tool that I've ever used than a daily scoreboard that has the key metrics right in front of us to be able to at any minute just have a discussion and say, hey, this is looking great for you know this month and next month, but um, let's let's come up with a plan now. So you're so far ahead of the game. Let's start working on month three, right? We've got this month and next month looking great. Let's start filling up month three, and man, we can really start to take all the stress off because we're we're playing we're playing ahead, right? Yeah, and also so, I think I think for the people that that perhaps are performing a little less well is, yeah, there's certainly nothing wrong with a little competition or a little gamification to, mm-hmm. you know, inspire people, motivate people, whatever it takes, you know, to instill maybe some of the fundamental disciplines, maybe they're close but not quite there, to go out and, and hit the numbers they need to hit. Exactly. And even looking to those folks that are leading on the scoreboard and say, hey, let's let's go have lunch together. Let's go for a walk. I, I want to be I want to be like you. Let's talk. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right? How absolutely. are you doing? How are you doing it? So, so I'm a big fan of those types of, of like tools. That. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right. So I'm going to do some rapid fire questions here. We'll sort of wrap it up. If you can give me one word answers, we'll, if it requires more detail, we'll jump into some detail. So first, what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? CRM. 
Who's your sales role model? Andy Paul. Oh, perfect. Great answer. <laughs> we'll have you back on the show again. What's the favorite mis- music you listen to to psych yourself up for a sales call? Well, I like three. I like uh, Christian contemporary. I like country. So you've only allowed me to give one. So I gave two there. So and, and pop, you know, pop music. All right. All right. So what's the first sales activity you do every day? I make, I want to make at least 20 dials to start the day. Okay. And emails. Mm-hmm. So a combination of dials and emails. 20. Right. Name the one tool you use today for sales management that you can't live without. Scoreboard. Daily scoreboard. I like that. What's the one book that every salesperson should read? Amp Up Your Sales by Andy Paul. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'll be back twice. <laughs> What's your favorite social media tool and why? LinkedIn, by far the biggest driver of traffic in qualified uh, prospects and connect- uh, connections on the web. And how are you using it, just briefly? Well, for us, it's a, uh, it's a matter of pushing out our content across uh, our social profiles mm-hmm. and across relevant LinkedIn groups. Okay. Good lesson there for people as you enter into the strategy we talked about earlier with the developing a thought leadership position. If you're creating content, you have to find places to distribute it where people that could potentially be customers are reading it. So very important. And, that, and I would add this, Andy. I mean, from a prospecting perspective, uh, the ability to send messages to your connections mm-hmm. and in-mails to folks you're not connected to that are targeted, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about social selling, uh, but I think that's one key area to incorporate into your social selling process is targeted in-text mass in, in context messages through LinkedIn messaging and in mail. I agree. The one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople, what's the one thing that I'd need to do to become a top performer? And what's your answer? There is no one thing. <laughs> everything is about everything. Everything's so about everything. You've got to come up with a systematic process that fits your skill set and do it over and figure out what, what works and do it over and over and over again as fast as you can. Yeah, I like the answer that uh, Bob Turson gives. He's got three parts. He says mental attitude, discipline, know your product inside and out. you got those three things. You're, you're good to go. Um, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So last question is, what do you consider your greatest success outside of work? Well, I love my kiddos and my my wife. We've got a very tight-knit family, very supportive, and uh, there's a a lot of love, a lot of affection. So that's that's my greatest success. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, I want to thank you, Doyle, for joining us today. Our guest has been Doyle Slayton, creator, CEO of Zumbi.com. Make sure to visit his website at Zumbi.com, we'll spell that X-O-O-M-B-I.com. And he's also an avid bicyclist, uh, at least was, but he seems to have fallen off the wagon, but we'll get him back on, right? <laughs> we got to get you down here for about three months, Andy, and we'll go out every day. All right, there, we'll make a deal of it. So <laughs> this is Andy Paul. Remember, make it a part of your day every day to learn something new to help you amp up your business and your sales. So until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.